Caution. Learning in progress. Hello, and welcome back to Smarter Every Season, the podcast that is brought to you by the product support team at Precision Planting here in lovely Tremont, Illinois. My name is Tyler Hubert. Again, we want to thank you so much for joining us, uh, however you may be joining us. If you're sitting in front of a computer, if you got the podcast episode playing on your phone, uh, if you're just out in the shop tooling around and you decided to put us on, again, we thank you so much. So today's episode is going to be a really good one, just like all of the other ones are, I'm sure. But today we have three members of Team Argentina, Precision Planting Team Argentina here in studio with us. And I'm also joined by Paul Harms, and Paul's going to chime in uh, every now and then. Um, So just wanted to give everybody a a heads up that Paul is here so he doesn't catch anybody off guard when he starts to talk a little bit later. But I think where we should start is going around the room here and introducing each member of the Argentinian team that's joining us in studio. So first of all, to my left, which none of you can see, is Leandro Salotti. Leandro, how are you this morning? Yeah, hola para todos. Hello, everybody. <laughs> so thanks, thanks Taylor and and everybody here. Um, I'm Leo. I mean, my my nickname is is Leo. Uh, so thank you, thank you for the for inviting us, and yeah. uh, we are really really happy to be here. I was gonna ask you if Leo is okay to call you because oh that's, yeah, it's easier for you actually. It will be. <laughs> <laughs> you picked up on that, yes, and yeah. that's what I've always heard you called as well. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. Uh, Leo, tell us a little bit about how you came to Precision Planting and uh, what exactly you do. Yeah, well, I started in Precision in 2014, something like that. So okay. it's uh, seven seven years now. Uh, I came from John Deere. I um, I worked for almost four or five years in the product engineering uh, in diesel engines for off-road applications, right? Uh, tractors, combines, very, very fun. Awesome. And then, so I started in, in 14 in Argentina, of course. And uh, so by, by that time, we were only four guys there. It's the very initial steps of the international business from precision planting. So, yeah, we, we started there. I mean, it was everything to do, right? So it was a, it was a very good trip up to now. Right now, um, we are 14 team members. And so I started as a engineering specialist or the only technical guy probably. I'm a mechanical engineer, so so I I started working in the in the R and D side. And then as as the team was growing, we we were in the Monsanto area, so then we were with, with ACO now. And um, so now we were work uh, growing, and I was the uh, engineering manager and and product support manager too at the same role, right? And three months ago, I I started to the uh, being the the Argentinian leader uh, for all the commercial business uh, technical part and admin side of too. So I'm in charge of the uh, Argentinian business. Awesome. Awesome. Across from me is Mauricio Milano. Mauricio, how are you? Hello. Good morning, everybody. I'm very good, very excited. I'm good. very happy to be here with you running this this great podcast. Now, I got to stop for a second, too, because you have a nickname, or at least I've always I've always referred to you as Mari. Yeah, that is correct. That's appropriate. We can yeah. do that. Okay, great. I can go by, by Mari. Very great. good. And also, it's easier for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and for everybody. Yes. Uh, so tell me a little bit about your role at Precision. Okay, yeah. Well, I started in, in 2019. I, I joined Precision at, at that time. It's been two years and, and some months. I started as a product support guy, um, taking care of, of our farmers outside. Um, now I, I moved into a role of R&D. So I run the R&D and product support department now in Argentina. It's been a, a great time in Precision. I also have a background in agricultural machinery uh, before joining Precision. But it's it's been great. I mean, learning uh, every day new things and, and developing uh, pro- products and, and, and things that are quite kind of unique for Argentina, right? Awesome. All right, and last but definitely not least, uh, Nicholas, <sighs> I've been building myself up because I'm afraid that one of these times <laughs> I'm going to really mess up your last name. Nicholas Pesacini. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, 
Yeah, it, the right pronunciation in, in Italian is pizzichini. Yeah, but yeah, it's okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> so, do you do you uh, as our counterparts kind of have here? Do you go by Nick? Do you go by Nicholas? What do you prefer? Yeah. No, my nickname is Mole. You know the animal Mole. Mole. Yeah. <laughs> that was a nickname that one guy here, Matt Morgan, uh, because he said that has good skill to dig seed in, dig. in the okay. field. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, you can tell it. me the mole. Yeah. Mole. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm Nicolas. I'm agronomist. Okay. I, I'm starting in precision planting Argentina in 2014. Uh, my, uh, my initial wo- uh, works was product support, but uh, now I'm working in the commercial team. So we are we are four agronomists in the commercial team. So our main role is the retrofit business, uh, and our focus is educate customer, uh, planting plots to to show the the problems and issues that we have in our country right now, and trying to look uh, a solution for that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to have you guys here. So the goal of this podcast episode is going to be, well, obviously to make our listeners smarter every season, but specifically for this episode about farming or agriculture in Argentina. And so I think this is the best way to start. Let's just kind of go around and I think everybody can kind of chip in. Tell me a little bit, what does the typical farm look like in Argentina? Okay. So first of all, Argentina, South America, right? (laughs) to everybody on the same page. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, a, it's a medium big country. Actually, it's the number eight biggest country in the world, and it's very farm-oriented country, if, if, we, can, if we can speak in, in that way. In the central and the north part is very farming activities. Uh, so the typical farm, we can, we can say that uh, on the central area, which is Pro- Buenos Aires province, Santa Fe province, and Cordoba province, it's more like your your farms here. So you have very flat areas. It's okay. very, very, very flat. And in Cordoba province, which is the central area, you can find more highly, highly farm style. Many of the farms are family-owned. And, uh, and recently, and I am talking about like um, from the 90s or the 2000s, we are having some uh, companies for like um, operations, like large um, seeding operations, planting op- uh, operations, and harvesting operations. Uh, so that's big companies, like they're multinational companies, right? Like Leag, MCU. Well, th- there is a different local companies um, that they are working like a large amount of extensions, and uh, and also on the north part. So we are talking about more closer to the Bolivia border. Uh, and Paraguay border, so there is a totally different, um, uh, totally different environment and totally different farms. They are larger farms, and uh, so and and they need like a, a larger uh, extensions to get a more profitable business, because uh, you know they are very far away from from the port to export the soybeans and the and the corn. So that's that's typically the distribution between the central part and the north part. Okay, and Mario, I'm going to come over to you. What what do you typically see as a, a typical planter size then? Or what's the typical planter setup look like? Okay, so the, the planter size, you can find different sizes. And I, I will say the, the north, if you go north, the, the planters tend to be larger because the, the extensions and the fields are larger there. But as an average, I would say 18 rows is, an, is a good uh, number as an average. Okay. Um, if you focus on the, on the south, uh, I would say 12 to 14, and in the north, it's easy to, to get over 30, 36 uh, rows. But that's um, because of the uh, extension of the fields, as I said. And another thing we, we can highlight from Argentina um, is the time of the season, right? We are a little bit off uh, compared with the U.S. We are upside down, right? <laughs> yes, that, that is correct. <laughs> so we have our, our winter crops running from June, July, basically, with okay. old and all of those uh, winter crops and our corn planting season is starting right now, September, and will last till 
uh, December, Eastly, and January also in the north of the country, where they then start edible beans. So our planting season, it's, it's, it's quite long, I would say, yeah. starting September and, and finishing Eastly in February for, mm-hmm. for the country. Are there yeah. parts of Argentina, or do you guys have areas that, that when you harvest the current corn crop that's going in right now, will you then do another corn crop, or is there any planting that goes on in, like, March, April? Uh, yeah, know. yeah. I mean, I mean, there is a, if you see that there is a, like, 1.5 crops per, per year as okay. an average, okay. okay? Because we have, on the same field, you can have, for instance, you can start on corn, with, with corn in the early September, and then you will harvest between March and April, and then you can put uh, yeah. wheat on top of that, right? Yeah, main difference than here is you you can plant wheat or winter crop and then harvest and plant in soybean or corn. Exactly. So typically you have corn and then you have wheat and then you have soybeans on top of that. So And then you need to wait until the corn again. So that's why we are using these 1.5 crops per year as an average because you have one year you will have two complete crops and the other um the other year you you will have just only one so that's mainly that's mainly the um operations for the for the crops so you're doing three crops two years and that is your rotation that ordination is corn wheat then soybeans yeah the typical rotation in the central area is corn then soybeans and then wheat Plus soybeans, and then it started with the with the corn, right? Okay. So and and that's on the same field, right? Yeah. Yep. On the on the same field. So that's that's why we have three in two years. Yeah. So we may get into this later then, but what's the what's the management practices that enable that? Are you doing a heavy amount of tillage? Is it herbicide programs? What's the what's the logistics to pull all that off? Yeah. Well, uh, modern night nature makes a, a great difference. Uh, you know, whether it's a, a, our winter is not like your winter, right? There is no snow. Basically, uh, the lowest temperature that you can have is 30F, barely. So it's barely below freezing. And um, so that's that's why we have a good amount of rain. We have a good uh, amount of sun and, and, and heat. So that's why the residue will be tend to be lower uh, so that's that's I mean they they have the ability to plant these different crops, for sure we are using uh, a lot of um, herbicides and and this type of uh, chemical controls for the for them for the weeds, but basically the the weather and the and the amount of rains uh, makes makes the difference. So I know kind of when we were uh, talking a little bit before the the show started before we started to record that that one of the things that we kind of want to get to in the podcast is talking a little bit about how farm practices, as Paul alluded to, are different in Argentina than in the U.S. You guys had mentioned uh, and have mentioned no-till. It's important to talk about no-till or no-tillage. Can you explain a little bit what what you want to get to there or what's different that you kind of want to explain to some of our uh, U.S. listeners? Yeah, no-tilling practice is 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 usually for the, for the, for the customers, so... We have farmed that doesn't have received tillage from 40 years, so no-till condition is, is uh, you have farmed with a lot of years with no-till condition. For this reason, the planter design uh, is totally different than here. For example, we have on the front a toolbar when a culture, a turbo name is a culture to, to remove a little the, the ground and uh, gain, uh, get ground contact in the row unit because if not put this culture on the front you you don't get ground contact in the row unit yeah because the resistance of the soil is so important so you so making sure I hear this right you've got a you've got a coulter is that a smooth blade or a wave De- depends but usually waves with uh, like 10 or 12 10. waves or there's uh, no waves? no 20 20 20 20 waves 20 it's, waves it's, on it's it okay so it's a so it's 20 a high or wave. 30 yeah okay Depends. okay yeah 
So that would be probably a lot a little higher than the norm for a wavy coulter here in the United States. Yeah. Um, but you always have that coulter up front. In For, uh, on the row unit, yeah. That, okay, and is it is it row unit mounted or is it frame mounted? Frame mounted okay. on so the front, yeah. Okay, so the... the because you put the, this coulter in the row unit, the stability of the row unit is so bad, right? Yeah. Right, so so basically the soil is so packed because of no-till condition over the years that if you, if you put the coulter disc in the row units, if you mount it in the row unit, you will need tons of downforce to get to the depth, right? So that's a setup that is not usual there. We use the toolbar to, to mount the culture disc and, and then the raw unit is like a isolated in a separate bar, right? And talking about downforce, we use a lot or, or we take a lot of advantage of delta force, right? Uh, and the load pins because of the of the conditions of the soil. We need we really need to achieve that 100% of ground contact and, and Delta Force has proved to be a, a great tool for the farmers to to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. What are you, tell me about the soils there. Are they are they a really heavy clay content? Do you have a lot of silt? Uh, what's what's your organic matter levels? Well, in terms of, of soil, it, it depends on, on where you, you mm-hmm. stay in the country, right? If you stay in Cordoba zone, it's gonna be more sandy or light soils, but if you go like Buenos Aires, uh, or central Buenos Aires, it's more packed, more clay, right? Or, or very hard zones in, in Entre Rios also, uh, which is uh, on the side of the Paraná River, right in the in the east of the, of the country. So the soil changes quite significantly if you move throughout the country, right? Okay. How do you guys handle fertilization? Do you guys... Good question. Very good question. So, in terms of uh, logistics and um, and efficiency and and product, you know, and fertility product availability, we are using uh, granular applications. One of the most important difference in terms of planters is we we don't have much, you know, these uh, centralized seed delivery planters like the folding planters. There is uh, only twenty percent or something like that or less. So the most common planters are the gravity fed planters is like the boxed planter so you you have a single gravity beam no on top of the of the frame you have these big four transport wheels and so that that box planter will move you know sideways to 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 plant and then you can turn the four wheels and go from transport mode it's a uh, it's something that requires like two or three people you know to fold the the hitch and and move the the transport wheels for the transport mode. So so the granular is is stored on the on the front bins, and uh, and we are using uh, a culture desk to to put the the nitrogen on a side of the full row. So usually we are we, we are putting nitrogen at four or five inches a side of the of the turbo right. Uh, and that culture is also mounted, is frame mounted too. So we have that nitrogen and then the starter usually goes also uh, granular uh, directly through the, through the opening desk into the row unit. So, so it's, a, it's something that you will not see on the, on the US row units because you usually have the only granular probably, it's the insecticide behind of the, mm-hmm. of the yep. row unit shank. Well, we are using something similar. It's like a similar arrangement, but the tube is inside, so in front of the of the C tube. Oh, okay. So that there is a second small. It's a s- smaller tube, so we can go there with the with the phosphor with the with the starter usually. And as I said, the nitrogen can can be on the culture in a in a side of the full row, or also you can broadcast uh, nitrogen previously, right? Or you can you can drill that nitrogen with a with a, an incorporated fertilizer, but this is typically the the nitrogen and the phosphorus uh, planning. What's the what's the proportion of a standard farmer's nitrogen program that's put on with the planter broadcast? Yeah, uh, typically the the customers apply nitrogen with the planter and this when the corn is in before apply. Liquid nitrogen. Okay. Yeah, but it's no common broadcasting the nitrogen previously to the planting. Okay, so very little is broadcast. Most of it is put on with the planter, and with the 
side dress. Yeah. Around that V4 time. 100% side. Is is that irrigated? Do you do you have irrigation rigs or or you're you're pulling? No, we we spray it. You have okay. Yeah, directly in, in the plant in the interrow. How many units are you having to put on a year, or or per acre or per hectare? How many? Ah, kilos, kilos of nitrogen, you mean? There you go. We can make the conversion. <laughs> yeah. Tell me what's well, tell well, me what's normal for you. Just like Yeah, it's three. Yeah. Yeah. Three hundred. Three hundred kilos per hectare. So that's means six hundred pounds, right? Six hundred and fifty. Roughly, yes. Yeah, six six hundred and fifty, right, pounds of nitrogen total year, right? Yeah. 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 And what's the formulation that they're putting down? Uh Udia, I don't know. If Urea is the granular. Urea. Urea. Okay. Yes. Urea. Urea is the granular fertilizer. Yep. Okay. It's 32%. Yeah. When you apply on the planter and then you apply liquid that the concentration is uh, 20 to 30. Yeah. Okay. 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 So is that makes sense for you? Yeah, it makes a hundred percent sense. Oh yes. really? I'm perfect. Yeah. <laughs> okay, because right. I was like uh, <laughs> six hundred pounds. It's like uh, oh wow, seems to be like a big number for you. <laughs> yeah, we're good. I, I would like come back with the no tillage condition. What is the reason for no tillage condition? So the reason is good question. So Argentinian, <laughs> please answer. Why <laughs> are you using <laughs> non tillage condition? Yeah, yeah, and the. The first reason of the no tillage condition is keep the water the more time possible because it's more usually the problem that no rain that a lot of rain. So if you keep the residue on the ground, you can keep the water more time, more time uh, on, on on the ground. Okay, yeah? so you're you're leaving a mat of residue on the soil to try and retain moisture. What's the average rainfall a year for you? Yeah, do it in centimeter. Depends yeah, on the area, but from six hundred to one thousand millimeters. Yeah, we need a conversion to each six hundred <laughs> to a thousand millimeters. Yeah, millimeters. okay. So another reason for the no tillage condition is improve the the organic matter in the first inch of ground. If you you keep the residue and the micro micro activities you can improve the organic matter in the first millimeter of, of the ground we so can say that oh, sorry we can say that uh, the average organic matter in the country is about three percent right yeah. yeah okay okay so three percent is the average organic matter for sure we have uh, like like we mentioned is on the flat on the very flat fields the variability of the organic matter is pretty low but when you go to uh, to Cordoba, which is one of the main uh, corn activities in the in the state, the variability goes goes up, right? We we, we can have hilly hilly areas with one percent, and and to very low areas with four or five percent, right? So so that's that's more or less the organic matter uh, difference. So and for that variability and and like like we mentioned, I mean Cordoba is very hilly. So uh, small firmer there. I mean that that was the the state that we first introduced uh, small firmer because of the variability of the of the conditions, right? So what I remember is we we start with the small firmer testings in 2016, right? It, it was a very long time ago, and uh, and so that's that's a was a very game changer for us having this uh, very very special. Special product with us is a is a very very incredible tool. Keep in mind that the government, the Argentinian government, doesn't have like an organic matter um, maps like in the U.S. So I I was I was be able to see the maps that that you have from the from the government from the USDA right mm -hmm. that you have like an orientation about the the organic matter through across the corn belt here in the U.S. But in Argentina, we don't have any anything. I mean, any formal thing of the Argentinian USDA, which is the INTA. We have some measurements, but th there is no like a national-wide, you know, uh, study for for that. So, so that's why smart firmer in in those fields are are a very very flashlight product, right? So you you can see through the through the product and through the 2020 this type of variability in terms of uh, organic matter. 
Right. And, and, and another thing that, that it's, it's good to mention about node tillage and, and all the, the coverage that, that uh, Nico was referring to is that uh, farmers have a, a big problem with, with residue, mainly in the early corn, to get the soil temperature right. So that's why one of the, of the big problems or, or the big issues we need to resolve there is cleaning the furrow. We are, we are pretty excited with, with Reveal. Uh, this year we have started uh, running uh, several plots with some local manufactured uh, Reveals there. We are starting early corn in the south of the country, which is the, the coldest uh, part in Argentina. It's the opposite. The southest you go, the colder it is. So in, in the very south of Buenos Aires, the, the, the Reveal is going to play a great role on, on cleaning that, that residue out of the furrow and, and provide the sun uh, we need to, to raise the, the soil temperature and, and start that germination. So with with lesser water and and some temperature, which going back to the the rainfall amounts, that would be about half of, and this would be regional, but this would be about half of what Illinois receives in a year, closer in range to about what Nebraska would receive in an annual amount. And you're trying to grow one and a half crops off that, not just one. What do you? What do the what do the harvest machines do for sizing down the residue? How do you get residue breakdown? What? Tell me about the mat or the the scenario that a row cleaner that a res a, a row unit is trying to push through to get down to soil. Explain that environment. Uh, describe it. Okay, so um, when you plant corn, you usually have residue, a mixed residue of the winter crop and soybean also. Oh, so you, you get two crops worth of residue in there, all intermingled. Right, and and if if you don't have a rainy year, so the um, the residue will stay just there, right? So you need to to clean it. Uh, on, on rainy on years with more rain, it will break down break down okay. by itself. But we we've been in couple of couple of years with with poor rain, mm-hmm. so the residue is there, mm-hmm. and you need to take it out. Then, when you plant soybean, you usually have a corn residue, which is very, very um, oh, yeah. hard to deal with, because you have the, the the stalks there, you have everything, just like the the harvest or the combine left the field, right? So do this the, is a, a do really the combines have chopping heads to to size that residue down really well? Yes, they have like the the the. In, in the rear part of the of the combine, but the the stalks, I mean the the first part of the corn plant mm-hmm. is is there, right? So usually that 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 is a very very difficult spot for the tractor wheels and for the planter wheels. So usually you have like a small rolls, you know, it's more like a bars rotating bars mm-hmm. uh, in front of the of the front uh, tractor wheels. Uh, so that that will try to reduce the the impact of the of the corn corn plants. Over the over the wheels, but the residue it's a it's something very complicated, as as Maury said. I mean, soybeans on top of previous corn is the most difficult. It's the most challenging operation, right? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a very chaotic uh, environment. Uh, usually, the turbo and the wavy turbo makes something moves a little bit the a little bit the residue. And also, we are using uh, narrow uh, gauge wheels, which is pretty different from the from the US. I'm I'm, I'm sure about that. And um, so that, that's why I mean the this the the, um, the section and the area that we are gonna work and open the furrow is very narrow, right? So that, that that's that's very very different. Yeah, we're tr- trying to clean that amount of residue and move it the f- the less you have to move and the farther you have the the shorter you have to move it the better so narrowing up your row unit profile probably helps you a lot oh yeah. yes yes that is correct and 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 circling back to the residue management uh, as i said or, or as i told you uh, before in the south which is really cold ambient the moving the residue out of the furrow before planting is is great but uh, as the, in the opposite in the north of the country is very hot so in, in that places you will prefer to maintain the residue there. They don't usually um, harvest the winter crops. They use that coverage crop. They will take down that crop using chemicals, but just not harvest it. So they have a very, very thick coverage there to protect for for the sun, right? Uh, Because it can easily burn your seed and your your plants when they are emerging. Uh, So on on that part, 
of the country, the, the residue management is totally different. So you want to try to keep it as it is and as thick as you can to, to protect. Yeah. And and as as we explained in the north part is 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 more is more higher temperatures. Also you have more rains. Uh, so it's more tropical. Uh, right, it's it's pretty similar to probably Florida here in the in the south. So you have a lot of rain, a lot of temperatures, and we are talking about December planting time frame. So it's middle of summer, right? And uh, so that's why the residue tends to break down faster. So that's why that is a very critical management of the of the residue to cool down. I mean, actually, when the when the soybeans spikes up, and and you have a very like a tremendous uh, hot day, you can have, and the wind combined, I mean, th there is a tremendous combination against the soybeans. I mean, imagine that you have black uh, soil combined with a high temperature and, and wind. I mean, you can blow all the all the soybeans. I mean, literally, they cut off. Sandblasted. The, exactly, the entire plant off the full row, and you will lose all the all the soybeans. So, so that's why you're leaving, is trying to maintain that residue on there is to just safeguard that, exactly. that moisture in. Now, I'm, I'm guessing or interpreting that the area in the north then is higher moisture. Those farmers are having to wait until the spring rains are over to try and get in, and then that's when they're planting. Is there much, and I'm, and I'm going to ask two questions here, height above sea level? What's what's the norm? What's the what, what do you experience from north to south? And then how much do you have to deal with Elevation change, rolling mm -hmm. topography, mm -hmm. movement. How much does that play into the equations? Yeah, Ele elevation. <laughs> I can I can answer as a as a pilot here. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so on the central area, Buenos Aires is about I will convert into a feet. It's about like between five hundred and six hundred feet maximum. Buenos Aires province, right? Yep, central Illinois. So yeah, so Cordoba is a little bit higher. So you can have like um, a thousand feet or okay. or a thousand and five hundred feet. Uh, the north part is a little bit higher. So Salta province, Jujuy province, you can have for the fields two thousand between two thousand and three thousand feet okay. of uh, farm elevations there. There is not so high, right? And the second question was ah about the the hilly and the yes I mean Cordoba is very hilly I mean you can have like a difference of uh, probably yeah sixty feet or one hundred feet maximum of difference between the low and the and the and the and the high part of the of the field yeah maximum one hundred feet so thirty meters thirty meters right yeah but the uh, field variation is, is great so in this area in Cordoba. Combined with the sandy soils, the variable rate is 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 use 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 the the customer use frequently and the bid dry was a huge huge tool to to apply the variable rates for pro population corn and for fertilizer. So that's probably where you've seen over years. That's why most of the area is sandy. All of the silt and stuff has run down to the bottoms, and you have a different soil type down in the bottoms oh, yeah. that you have to manage completely differently. Okay, so some of and, our guys here and, can. And really this is this is very very good if you think about in the in the total amount of downforce required, right? Because of this non-tillage environment, and as you described, all over of the years with the rains goes to the to the lowest part. I mean, you have a lot of compaction there, right? So you will see uh, a lot of impacts on the downforce management, especially with delta force there, right? Because you will need, I mean, on the on the on the hill side, on the on the upper side, you will have pure sun. So it's very, it's very, um, how can I say, it's very um, light, light, and and so that I mean that variation in terms of downforce re uh, requirements is uh, it's really it's really big. So so it's a it's a great great field to to go there right and and to spend the day and and walk and and see all the variations i mean that, that that's a that's a very very nice part of the of the job right yeah for sure the the main problem for customer is emergency so because we have residue because the planter has spring and reveal and delta for is is a, a great opportunity for us to to improve, and we are teaching and showing that the these products are helping a lot to improve the yield 
mainly in in corn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, another really important thing is about the. I mean, let's let's go to the basics uh, a little bit. We are we are talking about downforce management. You know, Argentina is very. I mean, it's a little behind of the technology that you are seeing in the U.S. And and I'm gonna say, I mean, with the metering thing of the of the planters, I mean, you can find in the in the aftermarket more than 50% of the planters are mechanical uh, rotary plate meter. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, 50% of those planters are not vacuum meters, right? Okay. So there is a great opportunity on the on the V set side, just with a mechanical drive, right, with the ground wheel, but. I mean the the vacuum conversion that that we are talking with our dealers. I mean that that is the foundation of our aftermarket business. I mean when we are talking with the dealers, I mean the first step is to move from that very old mechanical uh, rotary meter into a, a top technology vacuum meter, right? Yeah. Am I? Uh, let me interject there. I'm sorry. Just to okay. for our listeners, is that a plate planner? Would that be the equivalent exactly. to a plate planner or exactly. a finger meter? No, it's a plate burner. Oh, plate I mean, planner. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's awesome. a. I mean, it's a. It's weird. I mean, uh, I mean, it's it's not weird. I mean, it's a. That's it's it's logical because of different uh, economical situation mm-hmm. with different. I mean, technology companies are are not uh, outside there. I mean, selling vacuum meters. There is no. This is not the the, the reality there. So, every OEM was trying to make their own meter plate meter. And, uh, and so that's that's the I mean the fifty percent of the of the aftermarket right now. If you see on the OEM side, right, we have a, a big uh, big business with the major OEMs there. There is a regional o- OEMs. There is I mean the 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 market share of John Deere planters is very very little. I mean, what is, what is, can you describe the market share? Oh yeah, I mean John Deere has less than five percent. I mean three three percent. More, more or less, yeah. And so then, who's the gorilla in the room in there? Yeah, so you have uh, Crucianelli, uh, which is a regional, like a national company, which is about 30%. Uh, Agrometal is on second place, like a 5 or 8% less, so between 20, 22, 25. And then you have a set of other uh, OEMs that we can summarize in 10 of them, like uh, Erka, Apache, Tansi, Super Walter, Piero Bon, um, Ascanelli. <laughs> so that is a, I, I don't want to forget anybody there um, because we we have a very good relationship with all of them. Oh, so yeah. we are um, we are suppliers, uh, strategic suppliers that we, we, we prefer to tell. So we are planting that future aftermarket in that way. And okay? step one, you've solved the seeding issues right. for the customer. Exactly. One interesting thing, uh, we did in Argentina is to evaluate the planting quality of the country. No matter what is the machine, what is the technology, we evaluate it and, and build a, an, our own database. Tell me about this. Yes, and and, <laughs> and you can see my mark for the Pogo use. <laughs> right, we, we really use the Pogo there. Uh, There's some PTSD there. Right. <laughs> so we try to set a base, right, uh, to to assess where we are, right, and and where to start improving our planting quality and, and putting some figures, um, the average of singulation in the country we, we've got is 93. That's the average, right? So it's it's quite poor. Room for improvement? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so going uh, right, <laughs> right straight to the 99%. And, and uh, us and in every other country, I guess, nobody is is realizing about that problem, right? Until you go and measure that. Then when you measure, you need a solution. Seven uh, percent of singulation is a lot of money if you translate into pesos argentinos or dollars, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. So in terms of of um, CVSRI, uh, I mean we are in, in like thirty thirty five percent. Thirty five percent is the average, right? So dropping and seven points on singulation and exactly. you're yeah. north of twenty five consistently on SRI. Yes, yes, and and there is one. Uh, uh, explanation about the CVs. I mean, the, the Argentinian row units, uh, year after year, they tend to be more short, more compact. So they move to uh, straight C-tubes. So when you see an Argentinian uh, row unit, you will see like a vertical, 90 degrees, you know, vertical C-tube. 
So if you combine that with a with a plate meter, you will have that disaster that we just described. What's the what's the common planting speed? Oh no, it's uh three miles, three point five miles, right? It's five yeah, or for six kilometers. Yeah, for, for a mechanical plate, oh yeah. It's a three point five. It's it's really, really slow. So mm-hmm. Right. For a vacuum uh planter, the typical planting speed is five miles. Oh nice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh and but are they still trying to do that five miles per hour with the straight seed tube? Well, that, I mean, that, that that's a great question. Because that doesn't and allow for the horizontal movement yes, of the seed. Yes, exactly. exactly. So when when we started back in 14, right, Pichu, we were seeing that thing. And, and, and when, when we traveled to here and learn all of the products, we realized that we need to change the row units. I mean, what do you mean? I mean, <laughs> are you sitting in, in 2014 and you have only V-sets, V-drives, Delta Force, and that's the only technology by 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 that time and uh and the shantus the wonderful shantus and uh but we need to change the row unit <laughs> <laughs> so so we made one assessment to every argentinian row unit about the possibility or the chances to put a car seat tubes like a wave visions or a bullseye in the proper position in the in the in the proper angle so our conclusion, the first year after, you know, getting all the raw units, I mean, we were traveling with Pichu, stalling raw <laughs> units from, from different can, uh, customers, you know, asking, hey, can, ya, can I get one raw unit from you, middle of June? Yeah, take it. And just to measure, you know, make the reverse engineering of that raw unit and see, studying that and see, okay, if this is straight tube, if I can replace and put a wave vision on the proper angle, the wave vision uh, outlet will be out of the opening desk. So you are not compatible with that row unit. (laughs) So by 2015, we are only compatible with Agrometal and Apache and the 3% of John Deere. (laughs) So the business was very, very, very small. And the challenge was huge. I mean... So we were start, you know, talking with different OEMs that they were very interesting on the on the precision planting products, and we said we are not able to sell you. What do you mean? <laughs> they said, "Come on, I, I have customers who are looking for B drives and B sets, and you are saying that you are not allowed to 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 to, to sell products. No, because you need to change the row unit. Because I mean, the way vision, I mean, and the carved C tubes." is a critical part of the V-set. We, we are not seeing the V-set as itself. Yeah. We are seeing the e, the V-set plus the carved C-tube plus the wave vision or the bullseye. I mean, we are not selling V-sets on top of OEM C-tubes or on top of uh, standard C-tubes. We are selling the whole package. And and that was a tough decision, right? Because yeah, to agree that for our listeners here, that would be, yes, you would have corrected the... Seven percent of singulation errors, but still at a thirty-some percent SRI. Yeah, that's effectively randomized exactly. placement. Exactly, and and imagine uh, from customer perspective, from customer experience, they will invest a lot in a V set V drive, and the spacing will be poor. I mean, th- this is not the message that we are gonna deliver, right? Uh, th- this this is not the right thing. So so we prioritize the 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 fact that we want to deliver the best customer experience. Uh, ever, and we deliver the best value, and we took that decision to say, okay, OEM X, if you want this product, you need to change the row unit uh, until we have comfortable with the position of the wave vision, and and they did. You moved the market, and they are using curved tubes now. Oh yeah, I mean That's all the, awesome, I mean guys. what what I am That's talking awesome. about, this seventy percent of the OEM market and the those row units are are a different row unit and um, like a, we can say a special or new row unit that allows the, the wave vision and the bullseye there. So that, that was a differentiator for us. I mean, right. that was a, a game changer. Yeah, and but I, and but the question way. is, what about the aftermarket, guys? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have the same problem. So that's that's where where Maori comes here. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And, and it's interesting that we did that not only like telling them we need a curved seat tube we did that by measuring and, and researching and showing them and teaching them about the problems right so yeah. we would build a planter with half of the raw units with a straight seat tube the other half with a curved seat tube 
and start planting straight and measure the difference, then go harvest, hand harvest those those corns, right? There is no secret. Exactly. I mean, you can we, tell by the results. And, and we also play that trust advisor for everybody there, not not only the customer, right? Not only the dealer, also with the with the OEM. So so that's that's really important when you create a brand from from zero, right? When when you create a name, when you create a brand there, I mean everybody will recognize OEMs, dealers, and customers that precision planting does their their the right job, right? So that, that that's very very interesting. I mean, it wasn't a, 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 a an easy decision, you know, to to say okay, results will come with some time. But really, really now the results are 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 there, but we were planting the seeds for the for the that, future. That right. decision was complicated and take more time to change the raw unit. Exactly. But at the end, we can say that customers, OEMs, and dealers recognize that precision plant is the best planting quality of our country. And 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 also this is this is a wave, right? When when we started, when when Cruciani started to change the raw unit and they change 100%. I mean, others see that big guy changing that thing, and so they were well. There is something there, right? So, when so is that how you did that? Is is did you target Crucianelli, the, the the market leader, and go no, come alongside them with the trusted advisor? No, well, it was a an 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 open, you know, um, an open job. We we were talking with all the OEMs. They were in, interested in our products. I mean, we were talking. You know, some OEMs has different visions, different you know expectations, different directions, and uh, so. Most of them, we were like uh, saying, "Hey, this is the new wave. This is a new things to do. Let's let's take this train, right?" Which was one? Of the, which was the first major manufacturer or OEM to take the take the plunge and shift their real unit? Yeah. Who was, yeah, who was the first one? Definitely, Crucianelli was. I mean, they they made the the, the decision to to change one hundred percent of the vacuum meters to V sets. And 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 you know that 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 decision was a was a great impact into the market into the OEM market right we we are talking about just specifically into the OEM market and putting you in a in a perspective only seven percent of the farmers buys a brand new planter oh yeah seven percent so here I mean all these things that we were discussing it's only for the seven percent of the market it's only for the seven percent of the customers. So uh, our real focus is 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 on the on the aftermarket, and and, and that's why, I mean, uh, a couple of years ago when when Maori came, we had this uh, problem with the raw units compatible with with B set with with precision planting systems, right? We we, we were up to eighteen nineteen time, we were only compatible with the thirty percent or less, yeah, thirty percent of the aftermarket planters. So we were, I mean, doing a great job into the OEM in the seven percent of the customer. But now let's let's uh, take again and see. Okay, what about changing the raw unit? What about, I mean, m- offering the customer to to a major retrofit? I mean, that that was a great challenge. And so so they, they're where Maori made a tremendous job uh, making a an Argentinian raw unit uh, and. And a universal adapter, or as, as we can name U adapter, <laughs> is the is the product name that we are using for the raw unit. So, Mauri, uh, explain. You are the expert and and the and the father of this of the creation. <laughs> no, uh, as Leo described, um, we scouted fields, we teached farmers, we we did all that job that we believe is is the basis. Uh, I mean, uh, identify that problem. Um, let's try to solve it and when it's uh, about to solve problem you need products to solve it right and and the conversation usually ended in in i'm sorry um, your raw unit is not compatible right so we identified the problem we knew how to solve it we had the product to solve that problem but we were unable to put those products on on the farmer's planter round hole square peg right yep. uh, so we we did a, a, a good job i believe um and we design uh, an Argentina and a local raw unit, uh, a precision planting raw unit, that it's uh, basically a raw unit designed for precision planting products. I mean, from the very scratch of the design, we consider 
positions uh, and best practices on, on the on our product and and we like wrapped all our products with steel <laughs> and made <laughs> and made our unit fully compatible with all our products so for those farmers that we were unable to to provide with products to provide them with solutions now we have like a vehicle to to retrofit their planters and, and to to keep gaining or, or keep increasing the value of their old planter and, and putting uh, a 20-year-old planter with a top-quality planting system and, and having great results by, by retrofitting them with, with our raw unit. So we start off in Argentina, and I'm going to go back here a little bit because yeah. this is amazing. You start off in Argentina, we go down there, and, and we start learning. And this is this is scars from Pogo and digging. Yeah. Yes. And you you basically analyze the entire nation's planting performance. Correct. And mm-hmm. say, oh my goodness, this is not healthy. And you go straight to the manufacturers, convince them to change what they're doing and redesign their product. And then the next easiest thing is, okay, everyone who's not going to be buying a new product in the next year or two, let's go solve their problems. And you redesign and make an aftermarket tool for them. So And produce locally. And produce locally. I mean, so that's another challenge. That's, so <laughs> you've, you've positioned yourself as a trusted advisor. You've shifted the market and, and secured your long-term compatibility across your market and created a short-term solution for all of those farmers who are struggling with problems and aren't in the sh- short-term market for a new planner. Mm-hmm. Hats off, guys. That's amazing. Yeah. That's flat-out amazing. <laughs> Thanks. No, and at the same time, we were growing in terms of uh, local team. I mean, uh, the, the development of the people and the, and the self-learning. I mean, we were learning in that process. Uh, as, as you were describing, we were learning a lot of things. And, and that's a... That's an amazing thing. I mean, from the professional perspective, you know, from the individual professional perspective, is something unique, for sure. So on that note of learning, over your time with precision planning, what have you educated yourself on or discovered that came with the biggest learning curve? Or this was like an aha moment, like, oh my gosh, I finally, I get this now. I see the value in this, or I see what's important here. Yeah, it's a... I mean, personally, from my personal experience, then you can Pichu and Maori can tell what uh, it is a, a combination of things. You, I mean, the, the most important part is when, when we describe, you know, the DNA, the precision planting DNA, and, and, and how to describe it is, is traveling here. I mean, when, when you are here, when you talk you, with you guys, when you talk with R&D guys, when you see, I mean, when you are, I mean, we are using WhatsApps. I mean, that, that, that's the, the most common thing. And you WhatsApps, uh, Will Frank, for, for, for instance, for something. And, and Will is testing the combine and the, and the products by, by himself. I mean, this is something unique, guys. I mean, nobody is, uh, no one, I mean, John Deere, I mean, others, bigger companies, I mean, they are sitting at the office trying to design products for the farm, very far away from the farm. And, and when you realize that, I mean, that, that passion, that motivation, I mean, it's something that you can smell here at Trema. So, so all the trips that we are doing is something unique. You know, that like you are, you know, breathing this air and, and taking this DNA. And then with all the learnings and all the things that you saw here, go to your country and test it, and for sure there is something like, oh my gosh, this is unique. Uh, like, I don't know, Delta yeah, Force yeah. was, was some, like some that. Examples, uh, of course, we want to be close to the farmer, right? And, and in the fields. That, that's a, the main uh, thing to do from, from our perspective, right? So, a couple of examples. We were able to, to build our own planter there, a research planter that we have in, in the PP, the Precision Planting Argentina team. And it's amazing how we transfer all the knowledge. And you can easily find the commercial team uh, mounting parts and, and building the, the planter. And you can also have the engineers, the development, development engineers, uh, scouting fields and driving the tractor and planting also with that planter. So we, we make sure the knowledge uh, is transferred throughout the different areas. And, and, and we are all passionate uh, about the field and farmers and crops, right? Uh, from from different sides, but but 
everybody wants to be in the field, scouting, looking for that problem that we, we still uh, have to realize is it's there. And then when we find it, we just get excited on, on how to solve it, right? This is, this is the DNA and, and how precision works uh, throughout the world. I mean, I'm sure farmers here already know how you guys um, work. Well, for, for our listeners uh, in Argentina and throughout the world, it's the same. I'm, I mean, that's part of the precision planting DNA. Yeah, for sure, our passion is this this pre company. Yeah, yeah, we love the the team. We love staying in the farm, improve the our country because maybe you don't realize, but we are changing the planting in our country. For we started seven years ago. It's no long time, and the result is awesome. So, and when you wake up every, every day and say we can do a lot of things. We can help a lot the customer. Uh, is our motivation. Um, personally, my my wife say that I'm a little crazy because I <laughs> I a lot of times thinking in planting, but could be could be could be true. My uh, wife too, <laughs> and, and I think Maury's wife too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean about products. I mean uh, I can tell you one good story. I mean we were planting the first year with the research planter. Uh, we are in the in the in the Pichu's farm, family farm, and uh, it was Pichu's farm there, uh, Nico's farm there, and uh, so we have a ten-row planter, right, with all the te all technology. I mean, the Nico's farm was planted by ears with a mechanical plate planter, ground drive, no technology, straight use, right. And uh, so we show up with <laughs> with a research planter. Imagine V set, V set two, V drive. Wave visions, smart dev, delta force, furrow force. I mean everything there, right? We are talking about three years ago or two or three years, yeah. three years ago. And what I was trying to see, you know, is Nico's uh, father uh, expression. Right? <laughs> and I, I was trying to see Lalo's, right? Lalo is the is the nickname. And uh, and he said the first thing that he says, this is not gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> because you know seeing all the things and and this is the first impression right yeah uh we are i mean we are using that analogy that we are in the area of the very uh initial smartphones with no smartphone with no you know smart in the nokia's area and yeah, now and 2014 2015 time frame yes was what, iphone one at that I mean, exactly that Maybe everything. Yeah, but ninety percent of the phones were still flip phones. Exactly, exactly. And there we were talking about like only SMS messages yeah. and these type of things. And now suddenly appears something an iPhone thirteen. Yeah. You know, <laughs> suddenly we we leave that you know evolution. But for that farmer, for that Lalo, it, it was a jump. It was a, a time machine, <laughs> right? That we appears with the iPhone thirteen, and we said, well, you have five cameras, <laughs> you have internet. <laughs> You have something called WhatsApp. You can call. You can send. I mean, it's a it's a lot of information there. So that's the first impression was this is not gonna work. So how was the how was the Christmas dinner conversation around <laughs> that one? Like, like, tell me that story. Yeah, no. it, it was a little complicated, but <laughs> right now we can say that my father say, hey, you will, we, you will do something in my farm this year. Yeah, he's <laughs> waiting for the planter. <laughs> he no, is no, our. <laughs> Our main beta tester. Oh, yeah. yeah. His, oh, yeah. his I mean, father became our uh, tractor pilot, the, our official tractor pilot for the research plant there. So yeah. he, he loves to, to, because, to work I with mean, us and, and, and having the family involved. Mm -hmm. It's also great. Oh, I mean, oh yeah. We oh, yeah. really enjoy that. If, awesome. if, if we can, I mean, if we can see Lalo's expression and, and, and he can get and he can use it, I mean, we are testing the user interface at a different level, you know what I mean, and uh, and and he was I I remember that he was impressed about four of fours. I mean he loved it. I mean he was, yeah everything is nice, you know V drive, yeah electric drives, yeah something, like that. but but the the carrito in <laughs> in Spanish, you know the the closing system means carro, and uh, no it's awesome. I mean it's 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 making a very nice job. I mean think about that non chillage environment you know the 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 soil is very packed and then having this i mean this movement of the uh, and this soil density you know management it was something it, for for him was a game changer i mean 
no 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 question on that and we were showing different products you know <laughs> and no 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 i mean full force closing system is awesome so you're said. throwing a bunch of things past and it's lalo yes uh, so you're throwing a bunch of things past him and then it's it's he's your litmus test is this going to work is this going to fly oh let's back up kurt you know round this off let's fix this and and he's the he's the litmus test huh yeah yeah that's awesome no it's uh it's a it's a great and and what i remember you know uh was the nico's first first baby it was very a, a, a baby so it was my wife, your wife, your baby, and we were planting with a granddad. With a now, I, uh, it, it was a family ex- uh, experience. It was Sunday? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was Sunday, and we were planting all the plots there, and and it was it was a great great story to share. I mean, all hydraulics were on on our pants <laughs> and, and and t-shirts. We were uh, very very. Now it, it it was a very good uh, story there. Yeah. So uh, another experience I, I, I recall um, as a good one and, and that tell us uh, how precision planting operates and, and how, how is our DNA. I, I still recall my first day uh, in precision planting. Um, I started a Monday, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing. I started a Monday. Tuesday, I traveled here to the U.S. to meet you guys. And on Wednesday, my second, third day of, of working at precision, I recall going with with Paul to the sand field here and starting planting. <laughs> Say, if you don't know how a planter works, and if you don't ride a tractor, you cannot be a good a good engineer for precision <laughs> planting. So now Paul is hosting uh, this podcast, but at the time the he was my first teacher. And, I'm sorry, uh, I am so sorry about that. <laughs> but and you have th- uh, thrived here at precision despite that despite yeah i think it's well. <laughs> <laughs> no it was great it's a it's a story i, I always uh, tell to my friends but it, it just describes how we operate right first use it learn how to use the thing and learn how to identify the problems if you are far away from the field there's a little chance that that amazing things uh, to happen right so thank you for being my teacher oh i, I didn't do that i, I just I just got to play in the in the sand. That's I like to play in the dirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Well, guys, I think with that, I think we're getting to kind of a natural spot here to to wrap up the podcast a little bit for the the day. I really want to thank you guys for being here. This has been a lot of fun, and I just want to highlight that I know when you guys come to Precision Planting, your schedule is packed. Oh yeah, right. You're in you're in meetings. You're meeting with people. You're meeting with product support team. And so I, I hope our listeners just realize how grateful we are and how rare of an opportunity that it is for us just to get an hour of your time to sit down and chat. And so I'm really grateful for that. One question that I had wanted to ask, this is just kind of in the spirit of keeping things light. When you guys come visit us, because I'm, I'm sure that you have been to the U.S. and been to Precision a number of times, where's your favorite place to eat? Come on, say it, say it, say it, say it. Favorite place Favorite. to eat? Mm-hmm. Asado at Morgan's, uh, at Matt Morgan's house. <laughs> we just asado, had one. you know what is asado? It's a barbecue. It's a barbecue. It's an Argentinian-style barbecue. Okay. It's, so we, it's very typical. We are carrying our restaurant with us. I mean, we teach, okay. Okay. we did teach to Matt Morgan how to make asados and barbecues. Okay. And now he's a full professional of the asado and actually last night he made it for the whole family and ourselves under the rain so that's a that's another level so it's a professional level of the asado so we are moving our restaurants <laughs> to the u.s <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> remember remember the last winter conference when we were here with some dealers we arranged an asado outdoor under the snow yeah oh yeah <laughs> it was very cold, but we did asado because it's his tradition for yeah, us. Yeah, Matt's <laughs> neighborhood uh, was about to call the nine one one because <laughs> we were making a fire in the middle of the night. And no, no, no. One, uh, one really good restaurant that I really enjoy is the Trima um, Pordieu. No, Pord- yeah, produce. Yeah, yeah produce uh, with the horseshoe. We we really love that that that. Uh, at Maine. <laughs> so just like in uh, true American style, do you have to eat the horseshoe and then take a nap for an hour in the afternoon too? Is that the <laughs> <laughs> No, they, they, they will have meetings, meetings, and meetings. 
<laughs> no, it's a it's an awesome an awesome place. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again very much for being here, Leo, Mari, Pichu, which is yep. another nickname for the mole, yeah. which was a great discovery <laughs> in the podcast today. But I just want to say thank you again for you guys uh, being here, taking the time, take us through farming in Argentina, the way this team has developed. It's just awesome to see, and this. I can safely speak for Paul Harms is one of the reasons why we love our jobs here at Precision Planning. Just the last hour of the conversation that we've been having has been a ton of fun. As for the listener, I want to thank you so much for listening, for taking time out of your day to be with us today. On behalf of Paul Harms, I'm Tyler Hubert. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.